Welcome to We Like That Podcast. Because we like that. Welcome back to We Like That Podcast. Because we like that. I don't know why I keep thinking it's something else. I don't know. Maybe you have dementia. Okay. Um, let's go ahead and move right into That Happened. That Happened with Joe. So, uh, cheating couples are thriving right now. Apparently, that's what's happening right now. It's what's hot in the streets. Uh, first up is Ariana and SpongeBob, a.k.a. Ethan Slater, uh, if you don't know or care. I can't blame you for not caring either. Ariana Grande is going to be in the movie adaptation of Wicked, which was a book that then became a hit Broadway play. Uh, she's going to be playing Glenda, who's the good witch. And in that movie, she's working with Ethan Slattery, who I believe is playing the love interest that's shared by Glenda and uh, Alfalba, the Wicked Witch. Apparently that moved into real life because all of this stuff came out about how they may have began their courtship and their romance while still technically being with their other partners. He was married. I believe she was married or had a boyfriend of something of the sort. And, uh, Man got lambasted on the internet. Lambasted. People were coming for him for being the star of the SpongeBob musical that was on Broadway. And it was a whole, it's a whole thing. But meanwhile, apparently they are still together. She went and uh, supported him very recently for his performance in Span a Lot. The fact that this is still going on is very interesting. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Ariana Grande and her relationships usually are the stuff of music so we'll find out then we also have amy robach 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 i believe and tj holmes this were these were the anchors for good morning america where it came to light that they were seeing each other and they definitely were married to other people at the time uh it caused a very big sensation when all of that news leaked they ended up losing their jobs with ABC and Good Morning America over it. Uh, granted, ABC never confirmed that that was the reason for a termination, but it was the reason for a termination. And now the two are announcing that they're going to have a podcast. Exactly what everybody was not even asking for. But it's going to be happening. Um, they posted something on their Instagram with the hashtag silent no more. Don't know why uh, they were silent, but okay. So... They're going to have a podcast called Amy and TJ. It's coming out December 5th. Um, and supposedly they're coming out swinging. They're, they're first, the first thing they're going to be covering is their infidelity. Amy and TJ, yeah. That should be their theme song, but who knows. So I asked Calvin his thoughts on couples cheating, and he basically told me he doesn't care. So No, it's they're going to do what, they're, what they want to do. It, it's done. If they could profit profit off what happened, they're going to. They don't care about the other people involved, as you can see. So it's all about maximizing their financial potential. That's it. Mm-hmm. They've dealt with it. They're they moved on. They're good. I don't know that they necessarily moved on because they're about to sit in it in order to make this money. That's just the big money. They're fine. Are they? It'll be very interesting to see. It'll be very interesting. If they see. break up, they were going to break up 
regardless of them doing this. They both see this as a financial win for both of them. So my thing was, do you think it's morally or ethically positive to do this when it also affects other people? Their, their former spouses, for what? <laughs> for them to continue to sit in this and they've kind of taken this position of like, yeah, what we did wasn't good, but it's true love. And we're, and we're no moving forward. Cares about morals when it comes to making money. I find it interesting. Everyone has morals until the zeros get higher. I find it interesting. Also, would we care if they weren't in the public eye? No, we wouldn't. Right. So that's that too. Right. But it's more about how many zeros can I give you to make you throw away your morality? So, but how? So my other question then is how? How much money are they going to make? doing this do you think people will tune in just to get the gossip and then if they do tune in for that one episode does it mean they're going to tune in for the rest of the show i don't know how dedicated or loyal of a fan base they garnered while on good morning america that's the thing who knows only time will tell because i didn't know who the hell they were well <laughs> there so. you go um there you go um, the other thing that's going on is Keith Lee versus Atlanta, um, apparently. If you don't know, Keith Lee is a TikToker. He's a um, social media influencer who got his start doing honest reviews of restaurants where he was at, and which was Las Vegas at the time. Uh, he's known for his very like straightforward, uh, honestly humble mannerisms when he is doing his reviews. He covers it pretty checklist wise it's like how long did it take me to get the food customer service wise uh is the food delicious and how much did i how much did it cost how much did i have to pay to get all this stuff his reviews took off because he comes at it from like an everyday regular man type of perspective he's not somebody who's like well my palate has this and i love how they accented it with whatever whatever it's like a regular guy Who's like, did you hear about the, the food truck down the street? Delicious. It's that Who kind of a review. hasn't realized that doing this has made him semi-famous. He knows it, which is why he does. So he does other things. So it used to be he went and did all of this. But now that he's very recognizable, he has family members that go to these restaurants to give him feedback about like what the wait time was like, what the customer service is, what the food cost. And then he actually eats the food and lets everybody know what his thoughts are. He went to Atlanta recently with his family. And he was invited to check out places like, uh, I think it's called Old Granny. OGG. Oh. Candy Burris' restaurant. And he went and checked out The Real Milk and Honey. Those are a couple of the restaurants he went to that invited him to come check out their food and their services. And it didn't go well. It didn't go well at all. They both, both these establishments had their own rules in-house rules that made it very difficult for his family members to even get inside, let alone try to place an order for food. Um, and then once he gave these reviews, it it went viral. It went super viral. The biggest takeaway being that a lot of people who are living in Atlanta, from Atlanta, they say that that's the norm. If you're going to a restaurant that's got a, what do they call it, a grass-covered wall or any kind of leafy-colored wall with neon lights, it's there for show, it's not there for customer service, and it's not necessarily there for food. 
is not for any of those things. And in Keith's experience, he noted that when it was his family members trying to get in, they couldn't do anything. But as soon as they saw him, recognized who he was, then all of a sudden they had the time. So these restaurants are set up for a certain clientele, if you don't know. So they don't really care about the everyday person or everyday regular deglas, as you would say, mm-hmm. coming in and eating. Which is funny because that's his whole stick. That's his that's his niche. His niche is that he's a regular guy giving reviews for other regular people. That's his whole thing. So I find it very interesting that they were like, oh, yeah. Um, Kim on stage points out that he thought the restaurants were like, oh, let us know when you're coming. We'll give you the roll out the red carpet, give you the special treatment, get the review that way. But that's not how he moves. So it, uh, yeah, it brought up a lot of conversation. And a lot of it were people who live in the area or from the area being like, that's normal. We go to smaller restaurants. We go to mom and pop, hole in the wall type places to get good food. We don't go to those restaurants unless it's to be seen, unless you're part of the industry or networking, those would be the only reasons why you might go to those spots. And that's the clientele those restaurants want. Which is funny. So Candy Burris put out her response about Keith Lee's visit. And her response basically was, some people say she glossed over a lot of details. Because his biggest thing was like, they couldn't get the food. And her thing was like, we do have all these other rules in place. Like you couldn't door dash. You couldn't go in for takeout. You couldn't do a lot of other things. And her reasonings were like, you know, it's to that's relieve cost kitchen effective. staff. Yeah, that's cost effective, too, when you're doing all that stuff, too. Is it cost effective? I, I think, feel like you're cutting out money if you're doing it that way. I think it's a – you want to keep a certain type of clientele and a certain rating, too. And, too, I think they do have to give some type of – because it doesn't make sense to me if you think about it. It makes sense to me for you not to have takeout or carry out if it is a restaurant for people to be seen in. That makes sense to me. If your rule is not to make have to go orders or okay. carry outs, it's because you want to keep bodies in, in your, your place. your place and make it look right. like it's busy all the time. Right. Got you. In my opinion. But so that's what she said, but a lot of people said that her explanation kind of didn't kind of glossed over the whole hours of wait people not being able to get their food part. Like, she didn't say any of that part. Um, Basically, what she's trying to say, her restaurant is full. Aesthetics. She she didn't say that, but that was the implication. That's not what she said. you come to my restaurant, you come there to be seen. Her her boast is that the food, you come for the food and the experience. That was her boast. The experience of waiting forever to get your food? I guess you got to come as somebody. It doesn't surprise me that that is the end goal. We watched SWV and escape. <laughs> yeah. And saw like what the expectation is of like what they do and who's going to be attached to what they do. So to I'm these not restaurants, surprised. Yeah. Cause that one restaurant had this like Egyptian. Yes. Stupid. Yes. Mediterranean theme that didn't make sense. Makes sense. And it was basically empty. And granted, they could have closed it off for filming purposes, but I also feel like they only opened those doors to people that are recognizable. And so. it's like $50, like a plate or some something ridiculous, insane. just for the appetizers or some stupid. Something insane. Yeah. But it, uh, so all of that shook out. Milk, the Real Milk and Honey also put out a video for them, <laughs> for themselves after he gave his review, which wasn't positive. Um, 
And it wasn't that he was necessarily complaining. So he wasn't out there lambasting them. He was like, these are the rules they got in place. This is what they were enforcing. It just didn't work for us. We wanted to eat somewhere, sit down somewhere, and, you know, have a good time. So with the Real Milk and Honey, they put out their response video. But it was the tone was very much like, who's Keith Lee? He's not even relevant to us, which didn't go well on the Internet. I don't know why you would put that out on the Internet or why you thought you had more fans than Keith Lee but whatever so they put that out there it immediately got backlash they tried to retract it but they try to retract it with another what's the word video no with like 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 another punch at Keith Lee basically okay so their retraction was like yeah Jeff their their retraction was like we're sorry that this was the perspective you thought we had we also don't know who Keith Keith Lee is Yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. Um, So it didn't go well. And then people were posting and adding comments under those videos. And it turned out that those people were connected to Real Milk and Honey. So it was a whole, it was a whole thing. Keith Lee's positive review went to mom and pop shops. His first positive review was to a Jamaican place. And people were like, that has to say something about Atlanta restaurants. If the first place that Keith Lee had a great experience at was a Jamaican restaurant because apparently Jamaican restaurants are known for not having good customer service. Yeah. Apparently the worse the customer service at a Jamaican restaurant is, the better the food is. Supposedly. Yeah. I just don't like going there because they play, you want plantain? I don't want plantain. We don't on have everything. that apparently. Is what I don't want plantain people. on everything. Yeah. We don't have that a lot. But the point was like, it was a rich, this was like a you smaller, want plantain? this was a smaller voice. business. And the whole scenario was like his family was coming back from something. His sister-in-law called ahead to this Jamaican spot and was like, hey, you guys are about to close, but could we put in an order for my family that's here? And this Jamaican restaurant was like, you know what? We'll stay open. They don't have to rush to get here. Just, you know, as soon as they get here, we'll make their food. And because of it, this lady was blessed with making double what she made that day because that's how he rolls. So. Yeah, good for her. What did you think of Ocho Cinco's response with Shannon Sharp? Because he also added his opinion for yeah, some reason. I get what he's saying, but at the same time, too, that, that doesn't give them the right to treat us a certain way. So Ocho Just Cinco, because... in talking with Shannon Sharp about the whole Keith Lee situation, his take was that Keith Lee was trying to take down black businesses, which... I, which I don't think he which was. Which wasn't what was happening. His stance was keep it in-house or whatever. And I'm like, that... He didn't. He didn't say anything bad. I like Shannon Sharp's point. Shannon Sharp brings up the point of like, you have these restaurants reaching out to me to ask me about my opinion on their stuff, and then they're getting mad when I give them my opinion on their stuff. Then they'll reach out, reach out to me to give my opinion. I I don't think he was bashing. I don't think he did anything wrong. Mm-hmm. I just think they got mad because they got put on blast for everybody to know what their restaurant is about mm-hmm. meaning out their restaurant is about people who want to be seen that's it it's not about the experience the food or or whatever because what ambiance are they really giving me right that is worth the money yeah instagram pictures i can give two sh- about Instagram pictures. Well, a lot of their younger clientele, that's their life, which feeds into what else is happening. Um, and so. this is why the, 
human race is declining so fast and so quickly. I kind of feel for these restaurants that are like, because the restaurant business is not not easy. So I understand them being like, oh, we found a chick that works for us. We're going to do it like this. And then, so this comes out and they're like, oh, snap. Does that not work either? I don't know. They can do what they, they're going to do what they want to do regardless. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that you need to get people who are from that ilk to do your, uh, I guess, do your vetting or promoting for you. Oh, like marketing and promotion? Yeah. Like those people like to come in and wait and do all that waiting for hours for food and for the ambiance. Have them be the the ones that put out your critiques for you. I just find it interesting that when he put it out, a lot of people commiserated with him. And they I'm, were like, yeah, no, this is what it's like. Because I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's like. I'm pretty sure they're not going to change. They're not. They're going to go back to business as usual. Honestly, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, they're going back to business as usual. Which I... I think was Keith's whole point was like, if this was just my particular experience, it doesn't mean it's the downfall of these restaurants at all. Like I said, I don't go to none of those restaurants when I'm home. True. I go to like GR Crickets. Mm -hmm. Piccadilly. Piccadilly, something like that. Um, I love Piccadilly. It's delicious. Papado's. Maybe. Uh-huh. Stuff like that. I don't go to those. Or I go to a hole in the wall I know about. Mm-hmm. Steak and shake. Shake and steak, whatever that thing's called. Okay. Steak and shake. Steak and shake. I go there. That's about it. Right. Oh, I got to hit up, hit up a Waffle House and a Captain D's. I have to. Right. Those are must. Right. So, I don't go to those bougie mom and pop black owned places. My other question, though, is like after the pandemic, how many people are, are trying to sit in these restaurants like that? Actually, people are trying to go out and be in restaurants, mm -hmm. get out again. Mm -hmm. I just think you got to give me more than I'm not paying fifty dollars for no appetizer. So that's so that was the other thing they were complaining about were like the fees that come associated with those restaurants. Some of those restaurants have rules where like you can't sit inside unless you get your parking valet, and parking valet is like twenty to thirty bucks. That's another thing. And then they they have a one drink minimum, and those drinks are anywhere from fifteen to twenty dollars. So now you know why when women go out on dates and they pick places like that, dudes expect them to put out. Calvin, wow, what a takeaway! But yes, yeah. yeah, so that was going on with. I'm not saying uh, it's right. I'm just saying that's what happens. Oh my god! Anyway, Calvin's crazy and threw me off, and now I got to figure out where we are. So exactly. <laughs> the next thing that I came across was that apparently club culture is dead, according to a lot of people in 2023. Which I found very interesting because what? So it's the same thing with the restaurants. People go there for the ambiance and to be seen. They don't go to have a good time. It's very interesting. I haven't been in a club since 2010. Can't speak for you, but I I've, ball. Does a fish market count as a club? No, that's not a club. Okay. That is a Jezebel. Not a Jezebel. Uh. Uh. Dirty dog place. What do you call it down south? What do you call them? A juke joint. It's That's juke pretty joint? much a juke joint. It's a juke joint. But anyway. Should you walk in? The blues is all right. The blues is all right. Yeah, but that's, That's all you It's go-go music. Not the blues is all right. Oh, anyway. yeah. I forgot. I'm in D.C. It's go-go <laughs> <it's> go <laughs> music. And that's why I'm hammered 
majority of times I'm in places like Listen. that. Listen. Because I cannot take the same beat playing over and over and over. I, you know what? I, I felt the same way at first, but it's it's a, I get the vibe. I get like people having a good time listening I to the music. I need you to change my vibe. I like it. Don't kill my vibe. Change my vibe. I like it. Anyway. I can't. So. But yeah, it's like I told you, I, was, I went to the park. Couple so the park years is a back. club out here in D.C. Yeah, a couple years back. 90, 97% of people were in VIP. Okay. And it was t- it was so packed in VIP. I was like, you guys can't move up there. There's all this room down here on the dance floor. So younger generations are saying the club scene is dead. Uh, the reasons they gave was like, uh, bottle culture. Apparently, you ha- when you get in there, it's there's an expectation for you to immediately start buying bottles. Bottles are not cheap. If a glass of something is twenty dollars, bottles are up in the hundreds immediately. Then you've got section culture, which is Calvin was talking about with the VIP section. Apparently, it also comes with like a bunch of rules where uh, not only is it expensive, but it's implied or required that you're going to be seen basically. So people aren't really trying to do too much so that they can look good for all the pictures and the videos that are going to be hidden in the social medias, but it also limits how many people you can celebrate with in these little spaces. The other thing is they're taken away from the dance floor in order to create these spaces because it is more money for the club. So you've got bigger sections of people trying to sit at tables and get bottles and being charged these insane amounts to only have like four or five people per section. And they also said music, but I've been in clubs where the music was pretty decent and well, so only they, a couple of people were dancing. They say sometimes the music choices aren't great, but they say no one's dancing. It's That's, not a scene to dance. And it's a, it's people it might, it might be people standing around and moving a little bit. And they look at the people that are dancing like something's wrong with them like they have a disease or they're trying to videotape them so that they can put them online and that's another thing videotaping everything we're calling it videotaping everything because we're old but it's really just recording recording people recording people and you know when you're out in the club you had too much you might fall or you might be a little tipsy you might walk a little certain way they just want to put it they just want to have something put up on their tiktok there's a video on tiktok that was going around where it's this couple making fun of this girl who's completely out of her shoes I don't know if you remember people being in heels that have an open toe front. Sure. You remember how like their feet would slide yeah. all the way off the front of the shoe? Yeah. And they're too drunk and yeah. they're just wobbling. Yeah. So somebody's got a video of some, some girl who's out of it doing that in her shoes. And rather than help this child, they're just making fun of how she looks and how she's acting in these shoes. So that's another reason people so, don't want to So really... there's a concern also. Part of the reason they're not dancing or being as whatever in the clubs is because they don't want to get recorded. They don't want to get embarrassed and humiliated. I think the biggest thing that's killed the club scene is being the being seen seen. I want to show everybody how I'm, how I'm popping bottles, living, flossing. Would you really not? Cause that bottle's probably been on your table all night long. So I got to show you the video. So bottle culture also shows people purchasing ridiculously expensive bottles of alcohol just to pour them on the ground. They're not drinking it. It's just them pouring the drinks on the ground. That's even more stupider. I agree. They've got your bottles of uh, your tequila, whatever that thing's called. Mm-hmm. They've got several bottles of it, and it's them just pour. It's it's a, they call it a bottle war. So it's one side that has these expensive bottles of, of 
alcohol, pouring them on the ground, and then it's the other side doing the exact same thing, and they're trying to up the ante by either ordering more bottles or getting even more expensive bottles of liquor to just waste. And it's supposed to be a flex on, like, how much they can spend. Dumb. And they wonder why they're eating ramen noodles Dumb. every day. Dumb. But, so, there's That's this... crazy. Rem- there's also this, like... Uh, and, too... My generation will likely stump a mud hole. That's just a waste of, that's alcohol abuse. We What's, don't play that. What is stump a mud hole? What's that mean? Beat the shit out somebody. Stump a mud hole? Yeah. Very interesting. Beat the brakes off there. Because that's just, a, that's a disrespect to liquor. I, okay, so there is also this romanticizing of early 2000s club culture, which I think is a mistake. We but drank that's hilarious. all our liquor. Trust me. I don't remember us being as concerned about VIP sections. No, we didn't care. We okay. Were, it, was the, it was the go out, mingle, right. get laid. Oh, but apparently they also got rid of, you know how they used to have an all, like at all ages clubs, they had like the 21 and up went upstairs and 18 and everybody else yeah. stayed downstairs. They got rid of a lot of all ages clubs because pedophilia. And uh, um, no, young folks are crazy. Young folks are also crazy, but also they couldn't control who was drinking. I'm not that old. They're it, crazy. It was the whole thing. But, um. So they got rid of those separate sections. So now you just have to be 21, period, basically. And they're saying because of that, it's gotten rid of a lot of the socializing aspect of the club scene. No. Humans have gotten rid of a lot of the socializing active There's a video scenes. online that I showed, Calvin, of people at a club. And it's literally people, all, they're all on the dance floor with their phones out and their flashes on. And no one's dancing. They're all just trying to take pictures. It's insane. It's very interesting. But I'm, I spent majority of my time with clubs hollering. I don't know. What does that mean? Can I get your number? Can I get your number? Can I oh, get yeah, your I was number? there for Can that. I, get your I remember. Can I get your what are you talking about? I remember you hollering at other Let's people. Moving to get phone numbers. on to the next I'm portion of the show. You're but I'm just, I just found it interesting that there was this discuss, discussion about how 2023 club culture can't touch 2003 club culture. And that's when we were clubbing, was 2003. And they're playing all these songs that came out during that year, and they're making it see- sound like it was a golden year for clubbing. The club scene was fun, don't get me wrong, but I don't remember it being a golden era. It was just, we just went out to have a good time. That's the, that's the only difference between now and then. Uh-huh. We just went out to have a good time. We went out. We didn't care about being seen. We were going to be seen anyway because we were cool. But to be fair, we also didn't have the option that they have now about this instant feedback and instant recording. I don't think we... We had no choice. Even if you try to take a picture in the I club, don't think we would have cared so much because we were still used to going outside and mingling and talking. But we had to do that because we didn't have all the technology that they got today. I, I think we would have still done that. We only now, did that because... Later we, on, I can see how it evolved to where we're at now. Uh-huh. I can see. But I still think we would have still... Because we were so used to talking to each other. But that's because we grew up in an era that didn't have all of this. We okay. didn't go through I get a what pandemic. You're yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah. That's like, right. like you said, yeah. we had to play outside. We didn't. Yeah. A lot of us couldn't afford like game systems like that. To and play too, inside. we're still part of this technology era too. We just. We, but we came to it at a later age. Yeah, we just don't care for it as much. Because we came to it at a later age. A lot of us were still okay. able to go through our adolescence before we had to start doing stuff online. 
like that. Even the kids after us aren't as... The kids after us are Gen Z. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> I don't care about all this gen crap generation. I just got ghost. a kick out of them saying 2003 was a golden era. Because I, don't, I, I definitely remember... Um, what were they? I think it was because they saw us go out. I remember the Timbaland high heel boots. I remember the jersey dresses. Our feet hurting all day. I think it was more about them seeing us us go out and how much excited we were to go out. All and right. us coming back in. I Mess, think they saw us. Hair sweated out. Shoes broken. You know how many people, how many times women have broken heels trying to be out there That's like that? You. I remember I helped drag a female to her car. Oh, that was the other thing they complained about. I destroyed about, her shoes. Was that people don't dress up, dress up to go to the clubs anymore? They wear sneakers? You I don't, roll sneakers too? I was going to say, you could still wear sneakers and go to the club. We wore jerseys. <laughs> Literally. So, Jogging you outfits. Could still wear. Jogging suit outfits. A full. we Juicy velour sweatsuits were a huge thing. Like, I don't. It's very interesting. But yeah, there, there's this whole discussion around that. Um, part of that is also apparently Gen Z not drinking alcohol like that anymore. There is a, a bigger focus on wellness. There's currently a rise in what they call no-lo drinks, which is no non-alcoholic drinks or, or low-alcohol drinks. Um, but also, there's this complaint amongst millennials and Gen Z about, like, the taste of alcohol and how, like, that also kind of makes them steer clear what, of a uh, lot of it. We, we just went to the window to the wall. The sweat dripped off our balls. Well, see, skate, I, skate, skate, skate. I wonder if people think that 2003 is a golden era for clubbing because that is when Little John... Blew down the doors with his stuff. Nah, it was the music was good, but we went, we went with the purpose of having fun. That's it. That's mm-hmm. the difference to me. We went with the purpose of having fun, not to be seen. We knew by having fun we were going to be seen. We had enough conf, uh, confidence confidence in our game that no matter how funky we were after dancing to twelve hundred thousand songs in a row. We still get a number. We can still holler. But I feel like we did that because we didn't have to worry about somebody posting something on the internet about us. I don't think we cared. We didn't care because it wasn't a possibility. I don't think we would have cared either way. I think we, I think we would have, and we'd be like they are now, where they're a lot more cautious. Also, you apparently you've got people who came of age during the pandemic, so. They weren't able to go out like that until they were like 22, 23. I'm going to give us the benefit of doubt. I don't think we'd be like that. Okay. I feel like a big part of the context of how the people feel the club scene is dead now versus when we were in the club scene is the technology. I feel like that's a big part of the context. I, I don't. We I, didn't have this recording I think devices it's, ready at the hip like that. I think it's more about the people. I agree, but I also feel like we... I think we'd have videotaped ourselves having fun. We would have videotaped ourselves having fun. I agree with that. But also, it would look terrible. (laughs) No. We wouldn't care because we would videotape ourselves having fun. That's what I mean. The expectation of like, oh, this is going to be embarrassing was insanely low because... And two, I also think we'd be like, okay, I'm not going to videotape myself doing something stupid. Well, remember the Girls Gone Wild stuff? Remember that? Oh, yeah. So. That was white, white people. It was. Um, but the other, thing, the other thing was, I mean, I just found it very interesting that they have this complete romanticized notion that 2003 was like this golden era of club and people 
going out, meeting somebody, having magical choreographed moments on the dance floor. And I was like, I don't know how accurate that is. But then I had to remember, I don't know if you remember, we were at one of, we were at Margarita Rocks. I bumped into you by accident. I was with Eileen, another girlfriend. Sure. You happened to be there with Lewis and Henry. Sure. I like the way that your move came on and we all danced in alliance. Yes. And traded partners and did a whole switch and it was really fun. Yes. You remember? Yes. Because so. I was the one yelling out switch for some strange reason. <laughs> I was drunk as shit. Yeah, you were drunk. I... But it was a great, great time. Great, great time. But also, we didn't have to worry about somebody posting this on the internet. I don't, like I said, I don't think we would have cared. I think the only reason we wouldn't have cared is because we know what life is like not being attached to this technology like that. Okay. <laughs> so, I just so, give us the benefit of a doubt. All that said, Calvin, there's also a rise in 25 and over club nights, 30 and over club nights. What do you think of those? Whatever. Um, the... Do you think age is a deterrent for older people like us to go back into the club life? No. I think seating is a deterrent. I think that's what the deterrent is for me. Yeah. Yeah, I want to sit down somewhere. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm not trying to stand. You're like yeah. everybody. They want to sit down at some point. <laughs> well, because, I mean, when you're younger and you go to those clubs, it's like standing room only. No. And you make it work. I found some way to sit. You're hilarious. Yeah. I had that initiative from jump. Hilarious. But, yeah, that's all I got for Dad Happened. You got anything else you want to add, Calvin? Dad Happened with Joe. Plunk. Do you like that? Because we like that. Listen to us on all podcast platforms, especially Spotify. Interact. Do all the things. Because you know we like that. And now we're going to talk about the Golden Shower Bachelor. No, Calvin. The Viagra Geriatric Bachelor. Oh, my gosh. It's called the Golden Bachelor. For the okay. love of man. So we're getting down to the wire. Gary has three ladies left. Gary. He's doing family visits, home visits, basically. It's a home visit episode. If you're a fan of The Bachelor, familiar with The Bachelor, this is where things are getting super, super serious. I also found it kind of creepy because he's around all these kids and going, giggity, giggity, goo. No, he didn't do that at all. But basically, Gary's got three women that he feels that he can he can really see a future with. The worst pimp in the world. No. And that was so. Um, but he's got to narrow it down to two. Who's it going to be? Basically, he goes and visits all the, all the families. It's adorable. Each and every one, each and every one of those families ask him if he's in love with the prospective lady that has gone on the show. And he said yes to all three. I was like, oh, Gary, I'm rooting for Teresa. Teresa's the one that kept was being told to zip it by that. By Is that the what's her face? mash face lady? I don't know what that means. The mashed potato face lady. I don't know what that means. But uh, Teresa's the one that was getting into it with. I want to say Karen. She was the one that was getting scolded by that lady. Kathy. Kathy. Yeah, Kat. She was the one being scolded, scolded by Kathy. Her name is perfectly for her personality. Teresa? No, Kathy. Oh, yeah. Because she's a cat. She, yep. But um, it'll be interesting to see. So he, at the end of everything, he chooses Leslie. Leslie was the uh, former dancer who was like really... She, she was feeling really strongly about Gary very early on. Um, and then he's down to two other ladies. It's Teresa and the other woman whose name I can't remember whatsoever. 
but we don't get to find, we don't get to find out who he chose between those two. My fingers are crossed for Teresa because I can't have Miss Sandy. Uh, my fingers are crossed for Teresa, and well, I guess we're going to find out in the next episode. So they do a filler episode that's called the Women Tell All, basically episode where all of the other bachelorette con- bachelor content contestants contestants come in and give their feedback about what the process was like for them oh god kathy's coming back kathy's coming back this is gonna be great and they're all gonna face down gary and it's usually when they're like you know i invested this i was hoping for this but this didn't work out kind of conversations and it'll be interesting to see gary is so emotionally intelligent you can see how sincere and genuine he is when he's meeting all these families and how much this is I don't want to say troubling, but it's a lot of pressure for him when he has to narrow it down to just two ladies. But he knows ultimately he's got to narrow it down to one. It's too sensitive for me. Even though he's aware that this is what the process is, he also understands the weight that comes with that because all these people have invested emotionally, just like he has. And he takes it very, very seriously, and it's very refreshing to see. So, can't wait to see. Velociraptor. Can't wait to see who he chooses ultimately. I hope it works out and everybody's happily ever after. We'll find out. But let's go ahead and move it into uh, Love After Lockup, Calvin. Good luck, Gary. And now, Love After Lockup. Which couple you want to start with? Uh, don't matter. Doesn't matter uh, to we you? Should, uh, start with the, uh, the, the mute couple. I mean, deaf. I'm sorry. Oh, wow. So sorry. Deaf couple. Goodness um, gracious. Mikey and Chelsea? Yes, Mikey and Chelsea. Oh, go ahead and kick it off, sir. So... We, we pick up where Chelsea left him on the side of the road. Yes. She makes a U.E., comes back, signs to him. He gets in the car. Not signs to him. She tells him to get in the car. She signs to her. He? Yeah, he signs to her. Like, what's wrong? And she's like, whatever, let's go see your daughter. Do you remember what's wrong with her? She doesn't say. She had a rough morning. We're still picking up the same day that she woke up with all that bad news about the money not being there. Her uh, kids she, being sick. She had one of them. If you ever seen the movie Life, she had one of those days when uh, they this dude got a letter and no one can read but uh Eddie Murphy's character and Eddie Murphy character reads the letter and every time he reads the letter things get worse and worse. His dog died, worms. His cousin died. Um, his mom and dad died. Oh gosh, who was the character? Who was the dude that this letter was for? It was was it Bernie uh, Max? Character? It was the dude that was the gambler. Who had a gambling addiction, uh, addiction, and he killed Santa Claus. Oh. He killed a guy pretending to be Santa Claus. Oh. Life is a... Yeah. Ooh, life is a hard movie. So it's like everything, oh, the crop, they had a crop, a good crop season, but then all of a sudden a tornado came and all the crops got messed up and like, it was just crazy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, anybody else got any latest read? Everybody like, no. <laughs> like, okay, cool. Um, I'm going to live my happy fantasy. If you guys ain't got anything else you need to read, I'll read it for you, you know. I feel like life doesn't get enough credit as a dramatic film. I feel like it doesn't get enough credit. It doesn't. But uh, back to, uh, what's her, what's their face? Mikey and Chelsea. Mikey and Chelsea. So now they're on their way to see his daughter. Yes. The plan is to go visit Hadley. Hadley is his only child, I believe. Like, or at least the only child that we're aware of for the show. Um, he hasn't seen her a lot because he's been locked up for most of her life. And he's super excited to see her. And the reunion is adorable. She's so excited to see her dad. It's hugs, it's kisses, it's, oh my gosh, look how much you've grown. Um, Chelsea is hesitant to meet Hadley, though. She's like, I'm going to stay in the car. 
And her worry is that her deafness is going to be a major obstacle for his daughter to embrace. Because it has for me. <laughs> Clearly. Clearly. So, uh, but Mikey manages to get Chelsea to come in and meet Hadley. And it's adorable. First of all, Hadley is excited to see Chelsea. And she's been learning ASL. So she's showing Chelsea, like, the signs she's learned to talk with her. And it's, a, it's so, everything is so cute. It's so cute how warm and welcoming Mikey's family has been with Chelsea. It's been amazing. So the other thing, though, that Chelsea has is confronted with is the fact that, oh, yeah, Mikey has a baby mama. And apparently she's dealt with exes, but not baby mamas. She brings up that she's never been with a boyfriend that had a baby mama, but she's had boyfriends that cheated on her with their ex-girlfriends. And she kind of, the way they say it makes it sound like she's making that as a comparison. Like, she's going to have to keep her eye on Mike, but... That's not at all what's, what's happening. So now all her anxiety is coming up again, which she never talks to him about. So right. he knows nothing or none of this. Right. He asks if she wants to meet his baby mom. She yes. goes, no. She goes, hell no. I'm not in there for any baby mom and drama. And, and he's, he's just like, looking at her like, oh, okay. I... <laughs> he goes out there and says, hey to her and bye to his child. And it's really just a copacetic, like calm conversation. How you doing? Yeah, I loved seeing her. Okay, I'll see. I'll talk to you guys later. Be safe. Like that's it's that's really it. So, but I don't think the baby mamas like that. So I don't think so. But so Mikey in his confessional says that his relationship with his baby mama is strictly co-parenting. Like they're friends. They're on the same page about what they want to do in terms of raising Hadley, and that's really much it. Although Hadley was talking mad shit about her mom. <laughs> about her mom. Uh, she said she called her mama Karen. That her mom has too many strict rules. Her mom is pretty much a tyrant, I guess. I, I think her mom is just the one that has to enforce the rules. And therefore, she's she's the main one. Because her dad, she barely gets to see. And when she does get to see him, he doesn't have to enforce anything. So, I think it's that situation. She said she called her mom a Karen. That cracked me up. So, Screw you, Karen! But now Chelsea's worried that this is also going to be a factor for Mike to not come to Ohio with her. Because... You know, he's finally out and he can see his daughter and his daughter lives in Kentucky. When in reality, the way she's acting is going to be the main reason he doesn't come to Ohio. <laughs> she's acting like a... Mm. She's just keeping a lot of things to herself. And it's like, why? Why are you keeping so many things to yourself, girl? Anyway, so that's what's going on with them. Who do you want to talk about next? Uh, What's the Italian girl name? Michelle? No. Melissa? Melissa and Louie? And Louie. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Melissa is still mad at Louie for having the audacity to talk to, to other women. To be seen by women. <laughs> He's not talking. He's being seen by other women. Other women is seeing him out about walking around, and that pisses Melissa off <laughs> so, to the umph degree. So they've just come back from the, the dentist's office to get that quote for his teeth. And Louie's good with getting dentures. He's like, I'm straight if we get dentures. That's fine. Dentures are the cheaper option. The other option were $30,000 implants. Melissa wants the implants because she doesn't want Louie to have dentures. And she don't want to find his teeth on the sink. Basically. And him coming to her with his mouth looking like it's 70. Listen, he's like 30 grand is insanely expensive. I don't know how he would swing that. And she's like, I understand. And then she makes this comment about how she wishes her sister was still sleeping with the dentist. So that they could have a discount because she got all these root canals for free. And apparently Louie didn't read the room and said, how about I sleep with the dentist? 
which just put him in another 20 years of solitary For confinement real. with her. He makes that joke, and Melissa's just like, I told you already. So she drops him off at his mom's house. She's got to leave for her flight. This, she's finally flying back to New Jersey. Louis like, you want to come in and say goodbye to my mom? And she said, no. That was mad disrespectful, yo. Listen, I understand, though. Donna's mad disrespectful to her. Donna comes outside and is like, you guys want to come inside? And Louis like, well, she got to leave for her flight. And then Donna goes, you're not going to come inside and say goodbye to me? And Melissa goes, well, I'm running late. And immediately Donna goes, you're running late all your life. So... Kind of you like driving what? that point home that, yeah, there's no respect there. You know what? I forgot all of that. I forgot <laughs> about that part that she said that. She said it immediately. Melissa was like, here, you're, you're about to have them for the rest of whatever. You'll be happy. And Donna said, I know I will. So then Melissa leaves. Louis gets inside. Mom's ready with a plate for him immediately. And he has a little heart-to-heart with her. He's like, hey, you know, I, you know, I really appreciate everything you've done for me so far. Um, but I also would appreciate if you could back off Melissa. And Donna goes, I'm not doing anything to Melissa. And he goes, you're a little little critical of her. And she goes, she makes everything about herself. Melissa makes everything about herself. And Louis goes, I haven't no- seen that or noticed that. She goes, well, I can't speak to what you can see or what you can't. I'm like, okay. But then they have this sweet moment where, like, he apologizes for everything he's put his mom through. And he's really trying to start a new leaf and all of that fun stuff. Um, and then Donna also has this moment of freak out where he mentions that he's just going to try to stay on the straight and narrow so he can make his move to New Jersey to be with Melissa. And Donna goes, what about me? What am I going to do once you leave then? The whole point of me moving to Atlanta, apparently, was... To have a new leaf for him, but that didn't that didn't go as planned. So, and they kind of leave it up in the air with that. Better go get her go get her own John. Her own what? John, her oh. own man. Oh, they call him John. You're so crazy. Do you think? Well, you know who she reminds me of? Who? Colt's mom from Ninety Day Fiance. Colty. Colty's mom. Yeah. Yeah. But she find her uh, Nazi. She. <laughs> A, a Canadian Nazi at that. That's crazy. First of all, we don't know that that was confirmed. Secondly, I mean, that was the alleged. That was the allegation, but we don't know that that's accurate. So, it would be interesting to see if, if Donna The will. way their relationship deteriorated is was crazy, though. <sighs> I feel like we missed a lot of info. That's what I feel like. I feel like he got with... This is a sidebar about Nade Fiance, <laughs> Colton Vanessa. I feel like he got with Vanessa and all this other stuff came out, like... All this stuff just shook to the ground, which is very interesting. And a little karmic. Vanessa doesn't want to be with him. That's I, just the guy she's stuck with for right, right right now. I find it interesting that he cheated on his the the latest spouse with Vanessa for reasons. Stop seeing that girl from Brazil get with Vanessa for what we saw of him and Vanessa together. It, the whole time, it's him trying to convince Vanessa that they need to be, be together. They finally decide to get married. And then he, all of a sudden, now he's got huge issues with his mom. Very interesting how that shook out. Yeah. Anywho. um, So, what couple do you want to talk about now? Well, we got uh, Brittany and Karak. Brittany and Karak. Brittany and Karak. I, I want to talk about Janome and Red, because they barely, barely had a, a storyline. Okay. Janome and Red... Red, is, we're still seeing him the day he got out. 
Janome's got plans for him to get his locks put together because they were looking bad. Um, so she goes and does that for him, and then she goes to get the hotel settled. And immediately he's on the phone talking to his bestie. So this was a girl he already knew. That's what he said. Yeah, he already knew. That's what he said. I think he already knew her for real. Now, have they messed around? Only, no, only because he's been in jail. He said he knew her before jail. I think he ended up, they were just friends then. They could have messed around, who knows. But he went to jail, she went to jail. He was in jail. That he, girl cheated on him. He said they'd been him. writing to each other when they were in yeah. jail. And when that girl cheated on him, he started getting like a romantic thing with her, his bestie. How romantic can it be in jail? Who knows? So I'm probably thinking they're yep. going to mess around now. He also got three grand out of that girl. Yeah. I think they're going to mess around now. So my question is, how are they going to mess around now if he's moving to New Mexico? Because that's the plan. He's going to get it before she moves to New Mexico. Mm. I think she's going to go to New Mexico. She's going to find out that he's been seen messing with her. Mm. I think that girl's going to plan a trip to New Mexico. Mm. That's a lot of, lot of money. And that'll be the end of their storyline. I don't think they're going to last. I think they get to New Mexico and it's over. Well, spoiler, they're already broken up. So they're already on their social media. It's talking about how they are no longer together. I just Genome think. Genome and Red. So. I just think it's going to end when they get to New Mexico. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how that works. Um, but So he gets his locks fixed. Um, making the hairstylist laugh the entire time because he's fully talking to other girls while sitting in that chair. Before that, they went to the hotel, got a drink. No, that was after. Got it in. That was after. He gets his locks done, and then they go to the hotel. I thought that was before they went Mm -hmm. to the hotel. It was after. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Before he went to get his locks done, they went to the hotel. No, after. Oh. He leaves his mom's because he goes and talks to his mom. After the restaurant. Oh, gotcha. He got his locks done first. Then he went to the hotel. Then they went to the I hotel. I thought it was the opposite way around. Okay, cool. So so he also had a discussion with his mom about moving to New Mexico. And he, the, his reasonings didn't make sense to me. His reasonings sound like he wanted to get a new start, which he, made sense to me. He says he wants a new start. He wants independence. Because he doesn't want to be around the same people that kind of got him into whatever. when makes he was sense. Where he's at. But the independence thing doesn't make sense to me because he's moving there on Janome's dime. He's not going to have a job. He's moving into her place. What independence is this? He has no family. That's independence. I guess. guess. But yes, they go back to the hotel after he gets his hair done. He's independently dependent on her now. I guess so. And yeah, he gets it in with Janome. He talks about how they they just made love forever, for hours on hours on hours. That's all he did. Apparently. Apparently so. But they're both happy in the morning. They saw doves, crows. Every type of bird you can imagine. You also get a drink I've never heard of. What? That uh, an Apple Crown Royal and Sprite? Yeah, Apple Crown Royal is a... I know it's a flavor. Yeah. But and, a sp- and Sprite? Is well, Crown Royal Scotch? Well, here's the thing. Yeah, it's like cognac. Yeah. Pretty much for brown liquors, I do the sodas I do. I do like Coke. I do the sodas. I thought you do brown sodas with brown liquor. It depends. Yeah. I've done... 77, that's 7-Up and Seagram's Gin. Okay, which is a white liquor. That's not brown. I've done Palmasan and Sprite. I don't know what that is. I don't know what Palmasan is. It's a cognac. So it's a brown liquor? Yeah, it's brandy, something like that. Yeah, I've done that in Sprite. I've done Hennessy and Sprite. I've done Hennessy and Coke. I don't really drink, so I was like, I've done, Apple Crown uh, and Sprite. Ginger ale with 
those different types of liquors. Very interesting. Um, and on ice, I try not to do them straight because that's hospital. <laughs> I don't want to be out there lunching. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That always ends bad. <laughs> um, so I try not to go straight. Right. I did it one time in Japan. Let's just say I did a lot of walking. Don't remember. You're like, uh, yep, that's pretty yeah, much it because I pretty don't much know. It. I don't know. <laughs> I can't tell you no more of the story because I don't remember none of the story. I don't know. So, um, but yeah, I've done that stuff. All right. So, well, I mean, and that's pretty much it for their storyline. They're about to head to New Mexico. We'll see if they actually make it there or what. That's up in the air. The other couple is Brittany and Karak. And so, Sarak. How dare Brittany make me side with Karak by the end of their little scenes? How dare they? Because, so, Brittany's deciding to stop going to school. Firstly, Karak is in the bathroom trying to get his testosterone in him, and it is looking scary. I don't even know how Karak got Pretty much, they got shot it. him up like a heroin addict. First of all, it, Literally. Was, it was questionable how Karak got, got the medication in the first place, because they don't have a doctor. So, I was like, how, what? but they managed to get testosterone. Then they don't know how to put it in the syringe. They're not sure how to measure it into the syringe. And then once they get it in the syringe, they're not sure how to get it into their body. And when we see them deplunge the syringe into Karak's arm, there's a lot of air that gets pushed down as well. And then Karak gets visibly sick afterwards, sweating from the face. Because it was heroin, it wasn't testosterone. They feel exhausted. Surprise, bitch! It could have just been a different. It could have been a bunch of things. It's a di- different brand. It could be a different dosage. Plus, they hadn't had testosterone in their system for seventy-two hours, and that was a week past what they normally had already. It was scary. But instead of going to the doctors, Karak's like, "I'm gonna sleep it off." Like that's dangerous. But they wake up the next morning, and then that's when they get into the conversation about Brittany going to school. So she decided she's not going to go to school. She wants to spend more time with Sarak and get her spirituality in check. She doesn't say that at first. So she keeps telling Karak at first that she wants to be able to be there to help him settle in now that he's out of prison. Because according to her, he needs all hands on deck. And he's going to be very demanding of her time. So she doesn't have time to do school. Sounds like she's about to get uh, pimped out. Karak is looking at her like, that's the dumbest stuff I've ever heard. The confessional is Karak saying that they got a sugar mama while in prison, and that sugar mama basically paid for Britney's school tuition. And they feel like it was a waste of time, Karak's time, dealing with the sugar mama if Britney's not going to go to school. I have more questions. So she liked girls? Who? I'm confused now. Oh, I'm sorry. Sugar mama. My bad. Continue. I'm confused with your confusion. I had a brain fart. Anyway, according to Karak, he had a friend, and that friend was like, one of my friends is interested in you. They saw pictures of you. They want to strike up a conversation with you, all while in prison. And that's how Karak got the sugar mama. Yeah, baby. Hit me up. I have a thousand more questions. But anyway, so Karak is like, you need to be serious about school. I want you to finish school. I don't think you should quit. But Brittany's like, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to quit. I'm not quitting school. I'm going to take a break. So that I'm available to you 
to do I've, whatever, whatever, whatever. Obviously, that was a lie. She doesn't know what the hell she's doing. Her argument is very interesting because she's like, if I do go to school and try to juggle that work and taking care of you, you're going to be calling me up all hours of the day trying to find out when your appointments are, when to do this, when to do that. And from the little bit that we've seen, Karak does depend on Brittany for those type of details. We saw what happened when they went to the wrong uh, PO office. Sure he did. Because apparently Brittany was supposed to have all that information. But I don't know that it's grounds for a full six-month sabbatical from school. But anyway, Karak drives Brittany to to the uh, hair school. Also, I don't think Karak has a license, but drives Brittany to the, the hair school. And they're stopped outside the school. And Karak again is like, I need you to finish school. You should finish school. And Brittany's like, just wait here. It's going to be short. Brittany goes in to talk with her teacher who looks at her like she crazy. She's like, yeah, I'm going to take a six month break from school. Immediately when she comes in, they're already giving her a hard time about showing up when she wants to show up, which tells me that she hasn't been going to school anyway. Which was another point of contention for school when we were watching Love During Lockup. Because remember, she wasn't showing up then either. Yeah, so basically the ladies in there tell her, look, this is for you. You can live your life with somebody else and do all this stuff for somebody else, but when that person's going, what, then where, where, where does that leave you? Mm-hmm. You need to focus on you too. And she's like, yeah, whenever I come back, whatever. She didn't pay those ladies. She no cops an attitude. She's like, they don't. I'm tired of people telling me what to do. They act like I don't know what I'm doing. I have a plan. Because you don't. Number one. Don't. Number two. All those women have been in your shoes. Literally, they all like one of them gets so emotional because she like is literally her seeing her younger self be stubborn and not choose herself over everything else. And it's they're just like, this is good money. Get this skill set under your belt. Finish out the rest of the school year. And then you can do whatever you want after that. But at least get this skill set under your belt. And she's like, nah, I'm taking the six-month break. She gets back in her car. One lady was like, well, once you leave, that six months can become longer. Well, they said it was a slippery slope. Because you can say six months, and then that six months turns into a year. And then that year turns into five or ten or forever. So... Mm. Meanwhile, though, while that's going on, Karak is making moves to try to secure a job. So Karak apparently had to connect with an HVAC company and reaches out to them. And it's like, I'm looking for work. I can do this, this, and this. Uh, You know, let me know if there's a chance for me to meet up and do an interview. And the person on the other side of that phone is like, yeah, absolutely. Come on down at this time and date and we'll check you out and see what we can do. Well, welcome home. I was impressed. Yeah. Her and her Jada Kiss voice. His? <laughs> yeah. Please be respectful, Calvin. Oh, Please. Yes. You're so crazy. Please be respectful. But Brittany gets back into the car, and Karak is like, I can't believe you're taking this break from school. And Brittany tells Karak. Shut your mouth. That the reason she needs this break from school is because she is slipping in her spirituality. Her relationship with God is being affected. So she wants to take this time out to get right with God. And Karak goes, for real? <laughs> like, oh, this is the first I'm hearing this. And she's like, I'm serious, babe. I need, you know, I want to make sure I'm getting right with God. I, I'm not in a good place. I want to make sure that I'm praying again, doing such and such Basically, again. she made it seem like she's not in an overall mentally and emotionally Spiritual good place. Good place. So Karak relents and is like, okay. I didn't know it was that serious. It feels like you're just telling me this to tell me to back off, but I'm going to support you. 
help and you know and help you try to get right. She's like, cool. She gets a call from her bestie minutes later, and it's like, hey, I can't wait to meet up. Let's have a girls' trip. Let's go to brunch. We'll do TikToks and dances and take pictures. And Karaka's looking at Brittany, like, this motherfucker. Karaka Media is like, how are you trying to get right with God, but you're going to go party with your friend? How does this make sense? And Brittany comes back. Jesus, don't do TikTok. Brittany comes back with, I can do both. Just because I want to get right with God doesn't mean I can't go out and see my friend. And Karaka's like, but you're saying you can't go to school. Why can't you get right with God and go to school? What, what's the deal here? And this, it's just a fight. It's a fight. Get between your mind them. off of them hoes and then get your mind on them books. And I can't believe that I'm signing with Karak in this scenario. I can't believe this. I can't believe that I'm like, how is it different, Brittany? What the heck are you talking about right I'm now? I'm signing with good TV. Good that's TV. What I'm, that's what I'm down for. I'm down for all the debauchery. I am confusion. This <laughs> is crazy. We'll see. What were your thoughts on it? Can you get right? <laughs> Can you use the excuse of getting right with God to not go to school but party with your friends? No, because God is not in the clubs. Isn't he everywhere? Uh, sure. But you'll find him outside the clubs trying to get you to do right. I do find it interesting that you can cherry pick. So that that was interesting. It's called being a good Christian. <laughs> Very interesting. All right, that leaves us with Calvin's favorite New York couple. That's Sheree and Anthony. Oh, God. Sheree and Anthony. Um, uh, excited, excited. Anthony the party's wasn't here. In, wasn't in this episode that much, so the so the Brook of the New York voice wasn't bad. Anthony wasn't in that much, you say? Yeah, so it didn't get to me. Okay, first of all, we pick up with Sheree getting ready for this party. We are very well aware that this party is for Sheree. She said it's for Anthony. I think it's just Anthony theme because he doesn't want the party. He doesn't want the party. It's not his thing. He'd rather just be home. He was already worried about being able to go in the first place because you know of what his. You son? I, I just rather be home. You know what I'm saying? I don't like going out like that. You know what I'm saying? Because of his saying? curfew. He had a curfew. He got curfew, a new PO. You know what I'm saying? My BPO stuff. You know what I'm saying? He's like, I'm going to this party because she put money into it and she's throwing it, but it's not for me. Sheree is making this a big to-do. She has a professional makeup and hairstylist coming to the house. She's got her friend and her I cousin just realized, coming. Yeah, she, yeah. She's treating it like it's a wedding. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's her wedding day. Maybe she knew she's going to get engaged. She gets mad at Anthony because he's not home when she wanted him to be home to get ready. Calvin brought up a good point of how long does she think it's going to take him to get ready? He's going to literally throw on another pair of jeans and a shirt. Yeah. He's just going to jump in the shower, throw on jeans, throw on the shirt, <laughs> right. throw on some shoes, and be gone. Meanwhile, throw on a hat because you, you need a hat because he's New York. He need a hat. Meanwhile, she's dressed to the nine she's got all this makeup on she's got a different black outfit because oh the color thing she gave the party was black she said black represented freedom they don't know how that how that means that also nobody else paid attention to that theme everybody else was wearing whatever they wanted to wear including anthony so no, everybody had on black no baby daddy had a red shirt on anthony did not have a black shirt on uh baby daddy don't give a sh- two anthony had a green thinks. shirt on baby daddy wanted to stand out and Anthony? Yeah. The only people dressed in black are the ladies. Everybody else is not dressed in black. Okay. So, anywho, they have the party. And Anthony is not having a good time. None of his friends are there. According to Sheree, she invited his friends. But nobody wanted to show up except for one. I find that hard to believe. I don't know if she even knows his friends. That part. That part. 
maybe his moms might have known some, but ha- how? And we know she didn't ask the moms any of his friends' numbers. Also, if you're one of his friends and you get this invite from his girl, quote unquote, and you don't know her like that, are you really going to go? Plus, he's been in jail for a minute. It's not like he's been in jail for like a year or so. He's been in there for a minute. Anyway, so he's not really having a good time. He don't know nobody there. I, sh- I don't know nobody here, son. You know what I'm saying? This is for you. You know what I'm saying? I don't drink, son. Also, it looks like she rented out like a restaurant. Like it's a, it's a pretty big space with the food. It looks like she rented out skewers up the street from my house. She's got bottles on bottles for the party. I'm like, girl, how much did you spend for this party that he doesn't want? How's this going? Her, I love that her best friend immediately called her out on her pettiness because she said she was going to purposefully make Anthony aggravated because she was frustrated he hadn't come home on time to get ready when she wanted him to get ready. And her friend was like, that's a little petty. You also invited your baby daddy for what? So then we're getting, now we're at the, the little party. The baby daddy and Anthony go outside to have a conversation. The baby daddy shows up. Everybody's like, ooh, baby daddy's here. And Sheree's ready. She ready. She's she's sneaking and lurking in the background, waiting to see if something's gonna pop up. Dun dun dun. Nothing pops up. Mm, they go have a man to man talk. They have a mature conversation. That's Which, it. I think she didn't. I think she wanted it to go a little left. De- for sure. You see them go out to the parking lot to talk, and then you see Sheree sneaking and looking and trying to see if anything's going down. But the conversation that they're having is very logical. And very pragmatic. It's like baby daddy going, listen, I know you in Sheree's life. I'm not trying to mess any or mess anything up with that for you two. This is concerning my son. My son adores you. I just want to make sure you're a good guy. And then you've got Anthony being like, I completely understand that. It's a father's uh, priority and right to be concerned about their son's welfare. I'm going to do the best I can with him. I also care about your son. That's pretty much it. The handshake on it and they roll, walk back to the party. And Sheree's just like, you can see that she's a little disappointed nothing happened. <laughs> nothing happened. Of course she's disappointed. But she tries happened. to cover it with, I'm glad that they're getting along. I'm glad they're on the same page. So then Anthony goes to the car and he's like, I got like two, ten minutes. I got to do this right now, son. He goes, gets his ring. Comes, Mind you, they're supposed to be married. Comes back and says some something. And everybody's like, your guys are not married? He makes an announcement to stop the party. He's like, I want everybody's attention. And he thanks Sheree for throwing the party. And he says, I know this is a little overdue. But Sheree gets on one knee and proposes. And everybody's like, what's happening right now? Even though there's a lot of hate. Even though his proposal was simple. God. (laughs) Calvin felt a way, apparently. I felt some type of way. (laughs) Because mines was so crappy <laughs> that even the basic, he did the very basic for his proposal. And I was like, how old were you? Hold I up. It. You proposed to me Christmas Eve it. of 2005. So you were I 23. You were 20. Sucks. We were at acclaimed jumpers. Calvin oh and I were sitting on God, the same side of the booth. to tell the damn story. And he slid wow. the ring my way. But wow. you also told my family like I had that, the biggest thing for me was that my fam that my dad knew before I did, and you already had a whole conversation with him. Yeah. So, anytime I see a proposal that's even halfway, bare minimum or decent, I get kind of upset. 
I do wonder though how pisses me off. How did Erica and Henry? How did that proposal go? The proposal was better than mine. So I don't give a <laughs> shit. That's all. I, that's all I care. About. Well, honestly, is it better than mine? I don't think that proposal was a great one because they're supposed to be married. So Sheree, a couple of episodes earlier, had gone through the steps of producing and buying a fake marriage certificate to show everyone because they didn't believe her that she was married to Anthony. And so she bought that to show everybody that they were. So now you got Anthony proposing and it's everybody being like, aren't you already married? What are you talking about? What you mean? What's happening right now? Her Sheree's brother is upset because he feels like Anthony is starting this relationship with a lie. Him and his wife are outside talking about like, how are you going to start a marriage based on lies? Because they've been dating based on lies. It's not any so different. now Anthony's mom is wolfing because she, she's upset. Is, she's upset. And Sheree's brother is now upset because he's like, yo, you didn't ask or talk to me about it. And I thought you guys were already married. Now you guys not married. So you still didn't go by the proper channels and talk to me. Like, and then I'm, they get in the car and they skirt off because they have to be home. Well, so. <laughs> so they do have to be mindful of Anthony's 1 a.m. curfew. He proposes. The family is coming at them. Sheree is like, you can't take it up with me. You got to take it up with Anthony, which is not a correct take at all. She's the one who bought the fake marriage certificate. Um. But Anthony's like, we got to get home. I got to make sure I, I get there in time for this curfew. I know this girl did not say goodbye to anybody. She just grabbed Anthony, rolled into that car. Because as they're leaving, we hear people from the party going, Sheree, Sheree, where are you going? Sheree. So that's, and that's what ends for them. So my question is, is their party still going on without them? Probably. They had a lot and of alcohol there. Two. Uh, <laughs> is him and the brother gonna still have? I think him and the brother gonna get into it. I don't think so. I know you want somebody to fight, but I don't think it's gonna be them. But we'll see. It was just crazy. I had a margarita this morning. You so. had a margarita this morning. Yeah. How? Silver Hill. Silver Hill Diner sells liquor. Silver Hill. Yeah. Silver Diner. Anyway. Yeah. That was so random to bring up. That's what I belched and it. I tasted it. And that's how we're going to end this segment. Did you guys know that we have an email account? Email address is we like that, D A T, podcast at gmail.com. Yes, we like that podcast at gmail.com. Go ahead and hit us up with what you are watching and see if we like that. Because we might like that. We really might. And we'd love to hear from you. This week's worth the watch. The Millie Vanilli documentary. <gasps> Blame it on the rain. Yeah, yeah. So real quick, uh, did you enjoy Millie Vanilli's music when you were a little kid? I'm not going to lie to you. I used to dance to it in my mom's room. Really? Yeah. I used to dance to that. And I was everybody in New Edition. I did all the dances. You were everybody in New Edition? Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Okay. I think I sang my voice out as a kid mm-hmm. because I did every part. I thought you didn't have cable. So you were doing this off of the radio? Yes. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. You if you drove by my house, sometimes you think it was a party in that some bitch. <laughs> and music just be bumping. I believe be like, it. It's like twenty people. Like you walk in there, it just be by myself. You like who's all these people singing? Me. Oh, that's right. You said there were speakers in the walls, right? And you could link yeah. it up. That's yeah. cool. So we had a trailer that had uh, a radio set up too, and you can put the uh, speakers or throughout the house, so you can push it sound whichever side of the house mm-hmm. you want to all throughout the house. That's cool. So, yeah. So Calvin was having many concerts with Millie Vanilli and New Edition. By myself. Very interesting. Chilling. Chilling the game. I remember the music and I remember the music videos. I would use, uh, you know, I would flip up my mom's bed and mm-hmm. use the legs as microphones and just slide to different mic legs. And you would unscrew it? it? No. I just set it up on the side. Like the whole bunch. frame. Yeah, like it's a microphone. Yeah. So you took the mattress off the bed? Yeah, my mom really didn't have a mattress. She just had the box frame. What? Yeah. Let's go back to that part. She she slept on a hard box frame. What, just put blankets on top I of it? I think she got a mattress. And so my mom really slept in my room. Okay. We had We had three rooms. Okay. She slept in my room. Okay. And then I slept in... The other room I had, I had two rooms. Why did you have two rooms? I had a room for all my clothes that was in there. And, and there was like, a bed in there? Yeah, it was like a guest room. It was a bunk bed, Okay. actually. And then I had my other bed, which was like a regular bed. You spoiled as heck. You had two and, rooms? Yeah. And like the middle room would be for like... Meanwhile, your mom was sleeping on a box spring? Company. No, she was sleeping in my room. Very crazy. And then she moved to her room, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the, the bigger room. Mm-hmm. Eventually, she moved there. Interesting. So you're like, this is a playroom now. No one's sleeping in here. Yeah. Microphone time. Yeah. It's wow. like pretty much. So she had like the, the box spring like standing up. She mm-hmm. didn't have the bed stuff sitting down yet. So I just used it as like one big studio. Goodness gracious. I did a lot. Of, and we had a piano. So I like played the piano, do all types of stuff. Wow. You had a piano in the house? Yeah. It wasn't a keyboard? No. I had an actual piano. Wow. My grandma had a piano. We took that piano put it in the house. Wow. It wasn't that tuned, but yeah. Wow. Nice. You just got a full in-depth of my young, my younger days. Nice. My backstory. So Millie Vanilli was so a, talented. a nice part of it, so that's cool. Yeah. So like, like going into the documentary, I remember the VH1 special for Millie Vanilli. Do you remember it? No. So they did their own takeaway for Millie Vanilli, like the true story behind the scenes kind of a deal. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, yeah. Rob's in it. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. I don't remember it, but yeah. They I follow up with Rob and Fab. Fab is not in that one, but Rob is. Rob's okay. in that one. Okay. And it's him talking about like what went down. And, and he basically repeats exactly what we saw in the documentary. But they also have him sing solo. Mm-hmm. And they make fun of him for singing. Yeah. I don't think singing was for him as much. He'd have been a better rapper. Mm-hmm. But singing was in his heart. It was his passion. I feel like singing would have been for him if if he had the opportunity to like train his voice. These are people who English is not their first language trying to sing English words. So and that's why it was like I don't understand how and nobody doesn't recognize they're not singing. No one knew for a very long time. Let's go ahead and get into it. So we came across the Millie Vanilli documentary. It's on Paramount Plus. It features Rob. Or not Rob, it features Fab. Fab. Fabrice. Fabrice. Yes. 
from Millie Vanilli. Unfortunately, Rob has passed. Rob passed in '98. I didn't realize. Yeah. Uh, but it tells honestly, it tells a fuller story around the the experience that was Millie Vanilli and what happened. Actually, they call him uh, uh, Febreze. They call him Febreze. Actually, That's no, they, they call him Febreze. Yeah. F A B R I C E. I heard somebody say Febreze. You you said it. You heard yourself. Okay. You're so crazy. Anyway, we kick it off with getting a backstory about Febreze and and to an extent Rob. I didn't realize they came from nothing. Like nothing, nothing. Yeah. Febreze was born in Paris. Uh apparently that home situation was not a great one. And, and he runs away. And ends up in Germany. Yep, he travels to Germany. How old was he? I want to say he was 17, 18? Yeah, he's like a teen. Almost in his 20s, but still a teen. But, like maybe 18, 19. Right, and homeless. He's homeless doing all of this. Trying to make ends meet, trying to make things work. He comes across Rob at a breakdance. Was it a, a competition? Yeah, a breakdance event or something like that. And Rob gets mad at him because he's like, listen, there's only room for one black person here. I don't. Who are you? Because they're in Germany. It reminds me of the Key and Peele uh, skit where they're in a little uh, music class and they're doing like singing uh-huh. and and uh, Peele is like the bass with a bum bow, cool tenor t- uh, Taylor, cool tenor. And then all of a sudden Key comes in, he's like, "Okay, guys, let's do the song again." And he goes, "Oh no, they were beatboxing." Yeah. Yes, bum bow, and then Key goes, uh-huh. "They're like, wow, what made you go there?" He's like, "No, I just." Felt it and I just went with it. Right. And he's like, it's only one room for a black person with each friends. <laughs> so, yeah. But basically, yeah. He's like, who are you and why are you trying to step in on my turf? I'm the only black person that could be here. But it, it was just what it was at the time. They're in a mostly white country. They stick out because they are not white whatsoever. And they kind of built a bond based on that of being so different, being so black in this very, very white country. And then try to make a name for themselves. They end up becoming professional dancers. End up doing backup dancing for, I guess, the hottest bands in Germany at the time. On a TV show. On a TV show that, that's airing. Then yeah. they decide to try their hand at their own band. And they they started off doing parties. And then it transitioned to, like, let's do our own band and try mm-hmm. to get famous or whatever. And they, they were doing little interviews and trying to take off that way. But it's not really going anywhere. And then they get discovered by a guy named Frank Marion, who's a producer? Yeah, he's a music producer. Who's a music producer? Um, I wanted to say he was the music producer in Germany. Like, he was the guy. Maybe. Yeah. Because he had a huge hit with another group back in the 70s called Boney M, which Calvin pretends he's never, ever heard of. Never heard of them. They sing Rasputin. This is a huge song. Never heard of that song until now. Also a huge song. Never heard that song until now. Anyway, the, I thing can miss ab- things. the thing about Boney M is that it was a group of three women and one guy, but only two people could sing in that group, and they were both the women. The guy's voice that you hear in some of those songs that they, was supposed to be this black guy. I forget what the black guy's name was at the, that no, led it. Actually, in those songs, it was actually the producer. That's what singing. I'm saying. Yeah. They posed the black guy as a singer, uh, yeah, oh, but it wasn't. I don't know what his name was. Because there was a scandal that came out about him not really singing. Okay. That hit yeah. Germany newspapers. They were calling that dude a fraud because the voice that we hear in those songs are actually Frank Farian. 
So Frank already has an established history of like, I just need faces, preferably black ones, and I'm just going to create whatever I want in the behind the scenes. Cool. Pretty much, he made all his money off black people and white women. Okay. Pretty much. White women were never shown, though. They were never shown, but they were doing a lot of the background singing. He made his money off of black faces. Yeah. Anyway, so Farian meets Rob and Fab and is like, I want you guys to be in a group. I'm going to create a group around you guys. We're going to call it Millie Vanilli. Still don't know what that stands for. Millie Vanilli. <laughs> Millie Vanilli. I think there's nothing to it. But there was a catch. They were like, we want you to do it. But we want you guys to lip sync. We already got the music made. We already got all the songs. So in this Millie Vanilli group, the background singers were, well, the people behind the music were this one. What was the uh, rapper's name? I have no idea. Okay. But just know, they were not Rob and Fab. You, the music you hear, Blame It on the Rain, Girl, You Know It's True. It's two Americans. One's a rapper, one's a singer. And then you've got uh, the backup singers were these two white sisters. The deal they had with Frank was that they would not show their faces. They would sing the songs. They'd get paid for their work. But they would never be visible to the public. Okay. And when it comes to Fab and Rob, Fab says that he was like, what do you mean lip sync? I want to sing. Because they had their own band where they were actually singing. But it came with even more strings. Like, apparently, if they were going to leave the deal, if they were going to say no, they would have had to pay back their advance. Uh, Other expenditures that apparently Frank and them had already spent on them. So they kind of felt like they were in debt to Frank. So it was deal with this huge debt that they couldn't possibly pay or lip sync and continue to be on Frank's payroll. And they chose to be with Frank. And pretty much they thought it was only like one song or maybe one album. That they'll have to do this. They thought eventually they'll be able to sing live. Which tells me they didn't look at any contracts. They were also very, very young doing all Fab this. Fab actually admitted to they didn't read the contracts. Right. So. But he has which, them sign off on all this stuff. Yeah, which a lot of artists don't do. Which is amazing. But it is what it is. So, they skyrocket to fame. <laughs> it works. The songs that Frank Farian created with this pretend band become hugely popular all around Europe and all of a sudden they are everywhere. They're racing up charts. They're getting attention from America. Which the guys are super excited about but Frank Farian is like, ugh. Because he know. knows when they get to America, it's going to be a matter of time. People recognize, hey, you guys can't really speak English that well, but how are you singing perfectly in English? Well, It makes no sense. So, Sunny is the same. Or Bonium. Same, same thing. But did they really get to America like that? Well, they actually had real singers. He actually used two of the people who were actually in that band to sing. But what I'm saying is, did they get to America? They did. Like Millie Vanilli and blow up like that. They had hits in America with Rasputin and Sonny. Were they big as Millie Vanilli? Because I don't, I, honestly, I'm asking is I don't know this group at all. They, they did not have the same acclaim as Millie Vanilli because Millie okay. Vanilli taps into a female audience. Okay. Okay. And they were like disco era music oh okay so but it works they become huge they become super huge and the guys are enjoying it for what it is they're like we wanted to be stars we've come from nothing so this is huge we're getting paid we're getting you know adulations from 
all kinds of people when we're doing our concerts, but they're lip syncing the entire time. And I can understand how it's working in Europe because in Europe, people are like, okay, it is what it is. Eh, we don't speak good English. But so apparently, there's not a whole lot of venues in Europe. There's not a whole lot of places to tour like that. Because in Europe, it's like they got like huge venues. They don't have like the small, it's got a couple of small I heard the opposite, but opposite? it's smaller, smaller venues. Okay. Okay. But they're selective of who actually gets to go in and do all that stuff. Yeah. So I, I found it interesting. But I also feel like he had a bigger, better reach. Frank Barron knew more people. He knew more of the movers. Yeah, he knew all the in that area. So and he can like compartmentalize. He'd be able to keep that secret better. Secret better, yeah. yeah. Versus them going across the pond to the States. Honestly, to tell the truth, watching documentary, they kept the lie good in America. It just happened to the Grammy was what... I feel the Grammy was the straw that broke, broke the, camel's the camel's back. Okay. Because other stuff was happening. Okay. So, so, so they become huge with Girl, You Know It's True. They make it to the States. They get signed to Arista, which I always thought was Arista. <laughs> but it's, it's actually, Arista. It's Arista. Oh, whatever. Um, and Clive, they get to know Clive Davis, who's the the owner of Arista. Yeah, I believe he's one. He's a known name in music, especially around that time frame. We're looking at the they, late '80s, early '90s. He's the one to find all the legendary, iconic talent like Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, Luther Vandross. Oh. Maybe Luther Vandross? Probably. Um, Aretha Franklin, all of those people. So the guys are super excited because they're like, oh, we wanted to live big in America, and now we're getting the chance to. Frank is like, this is getting, this is spiraling out of my control. Like, uh, this is going to go crazy. And they get new management. They get new management. They've got label backing. They're still doing their tours. They're doing huge tours around the States. Now, Arista wants to strike while the iron's hot. And so they had somebody else write another song, which is Blame It on the Rain. And when they wanted to record Blame It on the Rain, he was like, yeah, send it to us in Germany. Mm-hmm. We'll record it there. And they were like, why out there the guys are here? Right. The talent's here. What are you talking about? Yeah. They were like, no, nah, we just want to do it out here. So they, to, I guess Arista, or Arista, how you said it, was like, cool. They didn't think nothing of it. I find that to be a lie, but okay. Yeah, that's what they said. I would think as soon as they got those guys, maybe if they didn't, even if they didn't know when they first signed them, when they met those guys, they would have been like, mm. something ain't right. Right. Exactly. Because Dots aren't connecting. Yeah, because you can barely speak English. So that's the other thing. These guys could, really couldn't speak English. And poor Fab could barely speak German on top of that. Yeah. So Fab, his English sounds better. Uh-huh. Then Rob. Right. But Rob is doing majority of the talking. Right. And you can easily tell he doesn't have a grasp of the English language. Because mm-hmm. even on a, when he was on a Soul Train, Donkey, he's asking a question and he's And his answer, answer was it. difficult, difficult. Yeah. And but Rob but that was Rob. But that but Fab's answer was he was like, Can you speak English? And Fab goes, I can as well. Yeah. That was his answer. Yeah. And that's and for some reason Fab really didn't speak that much. He was remember he was shy. He was oh, the shyer yeah, of the two. Too. Yeah. And Donk News just laughed it off. And I know he was like, something else, right. Something so right. that fed into this like unspoken but known thing in the industry of knowing that those two can't sing. They, but, they weren't the voices we were hearing. But on Soul Train, no one really sings. Everybody lip syncs on Soul Train. 
But you're supposed to sing live at some point. At some point. But not on Soul Train. But what I'm saying is, it wasn't just Soul Train that this happened. At. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They I'm, also did yeah. interviews with like Arsenio Hall, yeah. other people, and it start there. The mumblings that they weren't the ones singing was starting to grow. Arsenio Hall was one of those people that were backing that these guys aren't singing, and then you had them, and they were pretty much starting to get spoofed. Like on a Living Color, did a spoof on them. Yeah, Sinbad did a joke with it when he was, did his interview with Arsenio. Uh, yeah, so. But it's growing, so the, there's a underlying understanding that they're not actually singers. Meanwhile, these dudes are just skyrocketing. Yeah. On the charts. And it's just with those two songs, right? Living on the Rain That's, and Girl, You Know It's True. And All or Nothing. All or and, Nothing. And uh, Baby Don't Forget My Number. Those weren't off of the, the real Millie Vanilli albums? No, it was off the, the first. Okay. They, they had three. It was Blame It, uh-huh. uh, All or Nothing, and I think... Uh, don't forget my number. Okay. All three. Because technically, Blame on the Rain, I mean, uh, Girl, You Know It's True, and um, Girl, You Don't Forget My Number, I mm-hmm. think that's the name of the song. All of them kind of sound the same. Well, yeah. They're very formulaic. Absolutely. Yeah. So, they had three big hits off that first album. And they're lip syncing the entire time. The entire time. And they were like six times or eight times double platinum or something crazy. So here's where I felt like we weren't getting a full story from the people they were interviewing. Because you get the real band that was singing and doing all the backing vocals, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, we never see Rob and Fab come in at all to do their portion. So this we're is told... when they were getting ready to do their concert with M- MTV. And they had like an actual band band. And the band was like, these guys never come in. No, I'm talking about the ladies. Remember, they said they were in the recording studio oh, thinking yeah. they were going to see Rob and Fab, yeah. and they never saw them come in. They never saw them ever they, come in. They kept telling them they were coming in in the evening. They were coming in later. And that assistant, who may or may not was in a romantic relationship with Frank, yeah, was like, I planned all of that perfectly so that no one would know. I was the mastermind behind all the puppetry. Yeah. This lady was very interesting. Um, very. <laughs> so, I mean, you have... You have these questions. And I know people talk. Mm-hmm. I know they talk to each other. So I find it hard to believe that Arista, the backing band, all these other people didn't realize that Rob and Fab weren't the ones singing. I think the the band that they had in the States that they were practicing with right. for MTV and to do all their live shows, I think they knew. Right. Because they were like, these dudes are never here for practice. Ever. That also, I have more questions about that too. Because if, if the band is playing live, how are you stripping these vocals so that it's, it's all merging on, with the live music? It's all on keyboard. Very interesting. Very interesting how this works. It's all on keyboard. Then how would it? How would the recording skip if it's on keyboard? Do you ever play a track so much that it starts skipping? Well, I've played a track so much it starts skipping on a CD, but that's on a CD. You said it's into the keyboard. I don't know how it happened, mm. but the... I think it's on the track. I think it's the actual track they're playing with their vocals. So the track, if you play it enough, eventually it's going to start messing up. I know how it's going to skip. Yeah. I wanted to know how they were looping it with live playing. How was not How was it that nobody, or not nobody, but you had a full live band and live backup singers, but a recorded main track? How was that working? You can do their vocals and have their people on stage 
as long you got to realize so you're in a big stadium so you would have to play sounds, that music exactly the same every single time they're ju- yeah that's pretty much what they were doing but like exactly the same no variances no slow on the upbeat whatever blah 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 stuff Ex- like a robot exactly the same that's why they're good musicians mm. they played it exactly like the album very interesting and all the background singers had to do their, their background vocals also aren't all of them mic'd up when <laughs> I have more questions on yeah, how probably, people didn't realize this. They, they played a track in there. But I don't know how. But you to... know it was a track when you're here? You you told me other people in the industry would hear that and know this is a track and not a real person singing. Because because the, their vocals would be so, like, they're running around, jumping around, and their vocals aren't dwindling at all. That's what I'm saying. So how would they not know that these guys weren't? The one singing. I think fans would know because they're so caught up in the moment with these guys mm-hmm. doing their thing. They're not really paying attention to right. what's going on. And then a lot of times you see these dudes drop their mics and dancing and their vocals are perfect. And they're not even holding the mics to their mouth. So people aren't paying attention to that. I'm not saying people outside. I'm talking about the backup band who said that they weren't aware that they weren't singing either. I think they knew. I think they just didn't want to say anything. That's what I'm saying. So There's, there's no way they didn't know. There's a part where they're talking to the new president i guess of arista mm-hmm. and he changes his story like three times in the same line of question did you know they couldn't sing we had no idea did you know they couldn't sing we kind of gained an idea about six months later did you know they couldn't sing of course we knew they couldn't sing <laughs> but they had the look their packaging was almost immaculate it was a what what do you call it a they, home run it was a home run yeah they sold those albums their looks sold those albums yes you can say what you want to say they sold those albums. i thought their looks were due to frank but no they changed up their looks for their new band yeah rob and fab decided to go with the locks grow their hair get locked get braids which changed their they looked like the black version of white rock stars at that time in the 90s mm-hmm. so it set them apart and it gave them a great look they're both very handsome people and they people were just like money signs money signs money signs Let's make this money. We don't care how it's being made. We're going to do it. So you had a label who alleged they didn't know, but knew. You had Clive Davis who alleged he didn't know, but knew. You have management teams, the people in Germany, other production groups, everybody knowing. Because the rapper who was on the first album came out and said that that, that wasn't they weren't singing. But, was singing. but it was dismissed. No but it was him. dismissed. So you already got somebody putting it out there that it wasn't them. And, oh, by the way, earlier, the reason the rapper who started the first song got fired is because his management said that was him. Was it in an interview? It was like an interview or something. I don't even know if it was an interview. I guess they started talking. It might have been an interview. His management started talking and said, that's him. That's not the people that you see on the cover. Because he gets cut off from Frank Farian. And he gets fired. Yeah, so he stops getting so apparently, allegedly this whole time the people who are actually on the album are getting paid, they're just not getting the notoriety that comes with actually being a part of the or songs. getting nowhere near the money they should be getting, but possibly potentially. So, the rapper uh, somehow it comes out that he's talking about it, but that was the other thing I didn't realize was going on was that there were several instances where people were fully saying to these outlets like, "Hey, they're not singing; it's not them." I didn't realize that they had a record skip more than once. I thought it was one time. I thought it was at 
the music awards with downtown Julie Brown doing the interview. Mm-hmm. They actually they also had a skip at that concert in Connecticut. Yeah, they had a yeah, and I thought that's where they got outed. Right. But no. So fast forward, they're starting to win awards. But like, you know what that establishes though hmm? is that 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 big record skip wasn't the downfall of them. No. It was Frank. That's yeah. crazy. Go ahead. So yes, fast forward, they go to the, the they Grammys. start winning. Awards. Oh, tell them how they get this award. <laughs> so they start winning all these music awards and all these things, right? So they're winning all these awards. So, but they're not nominated for a Grammy or anything. So their manager mm-hmm. at the time is like, who huh. alleges he didn't know they couldn't sing. He goes, huh, how come these guys are winning all these awards mm-hmm. from all these other music awards, American Music Awards, MTV Music Awards, but they're not nominated for a Grammy? And they sold all these records. That doesn't seem right. So he just calls the Grammys. That's, that's exactly what he says. I, I called up the Grammys. They, they sent me directly to the guy. I was like, well, you can just call the Grammys. And he starts talking to some guy. The guy said, hey, just how do I get them nominated? And just he, write he tells them in. him exactly how to do it. And <laughs> he just writes their names in with a letterhead, faxes it in. And they're like, okay, done. And but he gets in trouble. The manager gets in trouble for doing that. But... They're now are known, uh, put in the group for best art, new artist of the year for a Grammy. Right. And when that happens, everybody loses their shit. Everybody being like the label. The label. Frank. Frank, Clyde Davis. He's yeah. cussing people out like, who did this and how did this happen? Right. And they were like, we don't know. And then they called the uh, manager. The manager said, like, yeah, I put them in for a Grammy. Right. They were like, why did you do that? Right. And apparently the worry was that, A, more eyes were going to be on them. It's already soaring. There's already allegations murmuring in the background. But now even more eyes are going to be put on them. But also at the time, you had to sing live at the Grammys. You couldn't come in with a track. At all. But they figure out how to get that track in there. Because it all's about, it's about the dollar bill. Dollar, dollar bills, yeah. The money. So <laughs> someone pays the Grammys like 250000 something like that. They something. gave a figure? I didn't know that. It was some crazy. They would have had to pay something crazy. But they, they to, pay off basically somebody at the Grammys to get this track in there. To allow them to play with the track. So they get announced to sing. They come on. They sing. They lip sync. They lip sync. And you can see everybody, all the other artists in the room just sitting there like. <laughs> it's an edit. They pan to the audience that would have been there at the time. And they look bored as heck. Like none of them are, are enthused. But it's also an edit. So I don't know if they were reacting in real time like that or well, if it was ozzy osbourne was seeing things and he was starting to freak out they do keep like so focusing drugs. on ozzy that I was feel like crazy that was a bad choice because we know ozzy was drunk and or high or both. sharon there's a bat on stage help me ah oh. that's not how he talks but anyway sharon oh but they win <laughs> after they all win of that new artists of the year they win and it's like okay they're showing the people they were nominated against, and it's apparently people who were changing the way music was being done at the time, or music that was like really layered and, and complex and was bringing different thoughts and perspectives to the genre. And then you have Millie Vanilli, <laughs> and Millie Vanilli wins. And apparently that that was a downfall, according to the documentary. Because apparently them. they their egos went really really big at that point, which uh, yeah. I don't blame them. So, we got in a discussion, did they deserve a Grammy? And I said, yeah, because they're the reason that album popped. 
agree. Their look was what sold and moved the units of that album. I agree. We could pretend and act like it wasn't, but it really was. So, did they deserve half of that Grammy? Yes. I agree. Did I they agree. earn it? No. Hmm. No. I'm going to say no. Part part of me says yes, and there's a big part of me says no. I say no. I understand them getting it because, yeah, they are the ones that sold it. They were the faces for this entire thing. They're the reason that Marion wanted to do this in the first place. He knew that they could go pretty far with how they look just by themselves. But earned it? No. So, cut to... They tell a story how they're backstage and Paul McCartney wants to meet them. Well, it's, it's part of the assistance proof of how insufferable they became after well, the, winning the Grammy. The the lady that worked for Frank. The assistant. She was his okay, assistant. Okay, yeah, her. And she's like, they didn't have time to talk to Paul McCartney or meet Paul McCartney. She was saying that they, they started demanding all kinds of crazy things. They what? felt they were so much better than everybody. And yeah, they turned down meeting Paul McCartney in person. Which, the thing, here was the issue. They wanted to sing mm-hmm. on the next album. If they had just allowed them to sing on the next album, I don't think they have this problem. But they went to, Arista was like, we want to sing on the next album. I'll do all the singing. Arista was like, no. Right. So then, Frank was like, you guys need to get back, get back here or whatever. You're not singing on the next album. So they decided to ask for more money. If you're going to make me do this facade, you're going to pay me to. They asked for more money, but they also wanted to be separated from Frank. They wanted to go on their own in America. And they wanted to do their own thing. They wanted to sing. So they were doing whatever they can to get away from their deal. But apparently, they weren't aware that they had signed a multi-album deal. Deal. So, I guess Frank wanted them to do something. He wanted them to come back and record in Germany. They didn't want to. And... The boys decide, well, we're going to drop the card we have, which is that we're going to tell everybody that we're not the ones singing and that you set this all up for us. If you don't pay us more money. And Farian was like, bet. And he drops. And he, <laughs> he goes out the story. and pretty much tells that they never sang on all the songs. It was a hoax the whole time. He tells on himself. Listen, Farian is like a monopoly evil genius because he drops the story while introducing the actual a new band. band. Yes, the actual... Well, not even the actual singers, because those no. girls are still not. <laughs> the two white girls <laughs> the two that he uses as background singers are still not allowed to be in the group. The the rapper he dropped, the only person that's part of the real Millie Vanilli is the lead singer that he had. And the new rapper. The new rapper wasn't a part of the, the hits that they had previously. I think he did like one song. Which one? Um, I don't know. But I, I, don't, think he... I think they brought that rapper later. Okay, I but it didn't even matter because his real Millie Vanilli still is built on um, his lip sync. It's still built on a lie. He it's, he has a group of five or four people in that band, and two of the singers. The his the two that he has in the middle that he has focus on aren't singing. Mm-mm. They're lip syncers, mm-hmm. which is hilarious because then you see an interview with the real Millie Vanilli, and it's the lip syncers that are running that interview, being like Millie Vanilli just doesn't have what it takes. They've been dropped by labels. They're not singing either. No. Hilarious. And pretty much you get how the record labels and the producer avoided all the backlash and Millie, uh, Fab, and Rob got all of the hostility and the backlash. Like, it's 
insane. The way how dismissive Frank Marion is about the fact that he lied and created a whole fake group and around uses, his lie, and he was fine. And uses black people and women to make money and music off and then don't promote them. He, his attitude is very much like they're Lego pieces. Exactly. Like he can swap and do whatever and have it look the way he wants it to look. Apparently he just had a fetish for creating bands that looked black. He was really into that look, regardless of yes. whether or not they could actually sing, sing or, or provide not. talent to yeah. that look. Even his lead singer for the real Millie Vanilli, the actual talent behind all of that, wasn't the forefront guy because he didn't have the right look. The dude they have to be the forefront person for the real Millie Vanilli looks like a Rob knockoff. I thought he looked more like Fab. He looks like them as a knockoff. Yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah. It's very interesting and crazy. And the we get the perspective of the background singers, these sisters that are like, they were livid. Like, he still wanted them to work for him and continue to sing, like ghost sing, basically, but not feature them at all, even though it's them singing. And and no backlash for him. You know None. what? I realized the 90s was the era of lip singing. Random. Because CC Music Factory also had the same issue. The girl wasn't the singer, but, the one that's singing. But it definitely wasn't at the scale that Millie Vanilli was. Because they didn't sell like Millie Vanilli. But we also found out years later that yeah. she wasn't. That's what I'm voice. saying. She didn't sell. They didn't sell like Millie Vanilli. Uh-huh. I think another group had the same issue, too. Uh-huh. But, but it was all a lot of pop acts, though. So, yeah. Yeah. Very much so. So you so now the story's out. They're not real singers. Finally, everybody's taking it seriously because it's Frank Marion finally saying it and announcing it. But instead of him getting any backlash, it's only Robin Fab. We get a clip of them doing a press conference right after everything has fallen out. And you would have thought Robin Fab built personal relationships with these reporters themselves directly. You would have think they were in a child pedophilia ring. The way that these Literally. reporters were like, you lied to us. You lied. We can't trust anything you said. You should believe on your talents to get you off the hood. And somebody yelled at, really do what you really think? I love that this documentary was petty and kept all that in there. That exactly. was hilarious. One of, one of the reporters is a, this white man who's yelling at them for the fraud or whatever. And it's like, why would you get seduced by this? It's Robin Fab desperately trying to explain. We came from zero dollars. And here comes this guy who's like, you can have so much monies. And two, we wanted to sing. They wouldn't let us. Right. And then they're like, we'll sing right here in person. And they do. They sing right there in person. It's still not enough. And it's this white reporter being like, we can't trust anything you say. You've betrayed so many people. And it's Rob being like, you come from nothing and all of a sudden you're being offered all this stuff what would you do and he goes i would have let my talent <laughs> take me out of the hood and then you hear this what sounds like a black voice being like typical white boy answer what <laughs> you didn't believe it when you said it let your talent take you out the hood hilarious hilarious but also but they, he wasn't the only one there's a black lady reporter in there like close to tears so frustrated and angry yelling at them like they did something to her personally and to me it was just music i wasn't when i found out they weren't singing because i to me i was like it makes sense but when i found out i was like okay it was just very interesting how they were All eating right. them alive and it go and it continues every news outlet is doing the same story we've got the talks late night talk shows also doing the same story is there like a punchline now officially 
Like it was crazy. Uh, but Rob and Fab, they try to keep pushing. They try to keep moving. They try to drop their own. Was it just a single or was it a full yeah, album? Album. They try to drop their own album. They only sell like two thousand copies. The fact that they even sold two thousand copies without a label backing. Is they didn't even go plastic. Still, they got pretty far. Yeah. But we got into a discussion on if what they did happen now, would it be different? Would the labels get more uh, flack? Mm-hmm. And to me, I said, it would just be the internet destroying them. I don't think the labels get any flack. Now, in this in this era, either. Because I don't think no one cares about the record labels like that. Mm-hmm. So, I think they would be able to get away with it. Cause, and two, they don't have that much power anymore, especially this day and age. Well, so, which is why I disagreed with him. I thought that people would care because the labels don't have as much power anymore. Also, cancel culture, the way it is right now, the speed at which information is shared right now, I feel like it. They, Robin Fab still would have got blamed for trying to fraud the public or whatever, but I also feel like that blame would have gone Frank Farian's way. It would have gone Clive Davis's way. It would have gone through to the management and whoever else what people deemed to be a part of what was going on. The way that people become investigative journalists right now, nowadays, to get to try to get fuller context or fuller pictures of what's going on, especially if it's a scandal, it's so fast now. So I feel like it would still not be great, but I feel like the backlash wouldn't be just focused on the faces. It would be focused on everybody. But we agree to disagree. So, yeah, you guys can check out the Millie Vanilli documentary on... Uh, what about the after, Calvin? With Aftermath? Fab? They were done. I like how you don't care. So after all of that goes down, the boys separate. Rob gets really into drugs. I don't know if Fab said he did too, but it just didn't take him down the way it took Rob down. Rob loses himself to drugs. Fab tries to pursue his music career. He really hones himself as an artist, his voice. And we get to see Fab sing Blame It on the Rain to what looks like an outdoor concert. And he does a really good job with it. Fab can actually sing. Yeah, that's what he was saying the last 30 years. I yeah. can actually sing. Sure. But he so. also had to live with a lot of that shame. He talks about how, like, moving after that, like just moving in his life after that was very difficult because he kind of felt like he was the butt of the joke for a lot of people. And if he ever came across somebody who was laughing or talking animatedly, he thought that they were talking about him. But he became a father and a husband and he's still pursuing his music. He settled down in Holland. And unfortunately, Rob Holland, was in and yeah. out of what? Rehab. Huh? Rob was in and out of rehab. I kind of got caught up with the police. He went to rehab and he said, no, no, no. May or may not have lived in a crack house and unfortunately passed. And was allegedly found by the the assistant, Frank Farian's assistant. Yep. It was so sad. Rob's story was really sad. I didn't realize that he was an orphan. Like, he gets adopted. He says his dad was an American soldier and his mom was a stripper. And he hey. never got to know either of them. Yep. So, yeah, you guys can check that out. Can I tell them to check it out now? Sure. Yeah, you guys can check that documentary out. We pretty much gave you the 
gist of it, but there's a lot of things in there that you can still learn by watching it. It is not long. And it's not that long, actually. It's a quick little, quick, quick watch. And you got anything else for the peeps? <laughs> nope. All right. Thank you for listening to We Like That Podcast. Because we like that. Remember to subscribe, give us five stars, and tune into more chaotic episodes. I'm Javon. I'm Calvin. Until next time. Later, people.